Everybody said, Amen. Will you read scripture with me today found in Mark chapter 10? Thank you, Miss Melanie. Um, and we're going to start reading at verse 46. And if you don't have your Bibles, you can look up on the screen. And the scripture reads, And they came to Jericho, and as they were leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak or his coat, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Father, again, we ask you to anoint the authority of your word. And I give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. There's no secret for those that have walked in fellowship with me for now 17 years, or working on 17 years, this June will be 17 years, how in the world I have gotten through some of the things I have gotten through concerning my vision. See, my natural vision, there's a couple of reasons why I don't see very well. Do you realize that on one Sunday back in the old building, and I'll get to it a little more, I had to preach completely blind. I couldn't see. And it happened in an instant. And I'll tell you a little bit about that. But there's two reasons why I can't see very well. And for those of you that may be here for the first time, you say, well, you got glasses. Yeah, I'm a little, I, I'm not afraid of a whole lot of things, but there's a couple of things I have apprehension and anxiety over. One is the next step that the doctor that, that helps with my vision wants to go. See, these glasses... Uh, if you, I can see wonderful up here, so I have to take my glasses off to see, to read off of my iPad. But for me to see past the second or third row, everybody else past about the third row is just this, this hazy, blurry group of people. And so sometimes I don't know if you're here <laughs> until I go like this. And that clears everything up at a distance. But it makes everything up close blurry. So I have to go through taking them on and off. And what the doctor tells me is, you need progressive lenses. And I'm a big outdoors person. I like to do a, a few sports still. And they're telling me, I said, well, what's a progressive lens? They said, oh, you look over here to see far away and you look over there to see up close. And I'm like, man, I barely put my glasses on. I, I, I have trouble just keeping up with these, more or less remembering where to look. And they're like, your eye will train itself. Well, I'm a little nervous about that. I have a hard time hitting a golf ball now. Can you imagine me trying to put on a pair of glasses and look down the left corner of my lens? I couldn't do that. At least I don't think I can. But the main reason that I really struggle is twofold. One, I'm getting older. And I got to preach at Tamiami Village today, and uh, it was a group of retirees, and I asked them if they were getting older, and they said they were getting older too. And how many of you can remember when you had sight like an eagle when you were eight? Say amen. amen. How many of you don't, no longer have sight like an eagle? Amen. 
Amen. Me as well. But do you know what? It's just not, you know, your eyes are not keeping track of the number of candles on your birthday cake. No, start, your eyes don't just tell each other, you know, oh, he's 40 now. He can't see anymore. We're going to cut back on him. No, what happens is this, is there's a medical reason why most of us can't see when we get older. Is this part of your eye called the cornea. See, the cornea, as you get older, gets harder and it loses its flexibility. So it was perfectly flexible when you were eight, but now when you are, I'm looking at 51 right down, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be 51 years old. And my cornea is not as soft as it once used to be. And it's not as flexible, which reduces my ability to see. And I thought to myself, wow, doesn't that have some great spiritual impact? Because all of us can quote the scripture in Hebrews that talks about Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Do you agree? I mean, they got it up there. On the, they'll put it up on the screen if you want them to, if you believe it more once it's up there. But this is it. Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. How many of you heard that? That Jesus never changes. Yeah, but... <coughs> The problem that you have is you've, you've taken the character of God and applied it to his methods. See, God's methods are always changing, but he is changeless. And so we want to make sure that if we got saved a certain way, we want to make sure that everybody gets saved that way because it worked for us. Guess what? Everybody ain't you. And so what happens is, is that people get involved in this wonderful, simple plan of God, the power of salvation, and we get involved and we create all of these little hurdles and barriers and we create these things called denominations. Because we want to identify the lane in which we've experienced our faith. And we want to get with other people that experience it the same way. But sometimes that's the problem with there's four different people in the Bible that got healed of blindness. Four different occasions. There was a couple of times where there was more than one person that was blind. And do you realize that if it was about the method that is changed, that is always changing, there would be four separate denominations just based upon Jesus's healing of blindness. Like the first one would be the spit on the ground church. Because you were the person that got your sight back when Jesus spit on the ground and he made a little bit of mud and put it in your eyes. And you're thinking, you're telling everybody, if you're blind, all you got to do is get to Jesus. He's going to spit on the ground. He's going to make some mud, put it in your eyes. And that's how you're going to see God. The problem is, is the second denomination. Now, I'm going to go on record right now to say, if I have to choose a denomination, I'm choosing the first. Because the second one, he skipped a step. He didn't spit on the ground. He spit in her eye. So you would be the spit in the eye church. And you say, well, pastor, that's gross. I don't know why God put that in the Bible. Hey, put yourself in the position of the blind man. If you can't see, I don't care if he spits on the ground or in my eye. Because in the, in, after I wiped both spit out of my eye, I can see. Amen. And then you got those guys that, you know, he told them to go wash in the well. And then you got one guy. He's really unique because God can do anything. Yes, he can. But sometimes he has a purpose of doing it the way that he does it. 
See, we know he's healed three people just by either speaking or touching their eyes or spitting on the ground, all of these things. But he goes to one guy that's blind, he touches his eyes and says, hey, can you see? He says, yeah, I can see now, but it's really blurry. And people look like trees. Don't ever settle. See, sometimes God wants you to know that every prayer that you ever pray is not going to get answered instantly. Sometimes there's a process that the Holy Spirit wants to do in you or through you and that there's a bigger circumstance and bigger things happening in our lives than just us. And it, sometimes He wants you to know it's a process. So He touched Him again and He got His complete sight back. You say, well, Pastor, I'm asking you, how flexible is are your spiritual eyes and have you gotten so hard that God can only do one thing the way he did it for you see church wrestles with this all the time see we all we resist change as human nature but sometimes we when change is beneficial to our comfort we love it but we don't want to admit it let me go on record here. Let me, let me make a few points here. I, they left me a, a little bit more time than usual to preach, so I've got a, a few more minutes. How many of you were born and raised in Florida? Raise your hand. All right. Now, look, at, look around you. Put your hands back up. About, about a third of the congregation. I didn't have but one person, Casey, today. And she was a visitor over at Tamiami Village. Nobody over there was born and raised in Florida. And you say, well, Pastor, what point are you getting to? Hurry up. You know, because all of us that just raised our hands, we can remember when we didn't have air conditioning and we didn't go to the hotel. <laughs> Last hurricane, I kept hearing everybody, we ain't got no air conditioning. We got to go to the hotel. We're going to go to Tampa. <laughs> they got power. We used to have jealousy windows. That was our air condition where you opened it up like this and you stood and it was still 105 degrees and 100% humidity and you acted like it was cooler by the window just to get yourself psyched up to go to bed. <laughs> Aren't you glad that things have changed and you now have a little box that can control the temperature and it's called air condition? Amen. Oh, not all change is bad. For those of you that are purists, let me know there's no air condition at your house. I'll still come, but I'll be in shorts. <laughs> then there's other things that we don't like when it changes, and we feel like sometimes the change is not necessary. Like, how many, I'm, I'm on December 31st, I, I stopped drinking Cokes for a while. I haven't had one, and now it's seven days. Hey. Amen. But is there anybody else in here that loves Coke? Didn't you hate it when they come up with the new Coke? And you just want to like, yeah, let's just go back to the old one. Put it in a bottle. I want to snap the cap. <laughs> let, let the fizz happen. I want to take it back to the drug grocery store and get 10 cents for my bottle. <laughs> no, some things we, we like to stay the same. But I wonder, let's go from being funny to Scripture See, sometimes when God starts to do things differently, we hold on to the past. And if your spiritual cornea has hardened and it loses its flexibility, you can only see you. And most of the time you're looking behind you and you say, Pastor, how do I know if my spiritual cornea is hardened and I'm always looking behind me? If you're the one that's saying God used to do all of these things, well, Hebrews said he's still the same yesterday, today and forever. Guess what? He's still doing it. You're just not joining him. 
I wish I could see the miracles. He's still doing them. It's just different than the way you were doing them. Because a lot of times people get so frustrated over music. This is the thing, man. It's one of the challenges of the church world. And even in the modern day, is we got traditional music and we got, we got contemporary music. And, and now we got this new stuff and all of this stuff. And I'm really frustrated because at 50, almost 51, I've discovered my children have just come right out and said it. You're no longer contemporary. I'm like, what? No, I like guitars and stuff. I, I'm content. No, nah, dad, you, go, you like the old stuff. See, I never knew that I could get there. I always wanted to be cutting edge. See, when you go to church at Tamiami Village, everybody's the same age. And so whatever that generation loved, you can accommodate. But when you come into a place like this, when you have different cultures and different ages and different backgrounds and, and different upbringings and they're eight and they're 18 and they're 38 and they're 58 and they're 88 and you got to give everybody something, that's hard. So every single time we mix it up, inevitably somebody with hardened cornea say, I didn't like that. You know what? I'm going to get back to you. I'm just trying to calm down a little bit. <laughs> like, don't y'all remember like four weeks ago? I wish I could. I, 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 my staff, I really look up to, to some of the younger guys on our staff because they can do so many things. I mean, I think I can play basketball, but Matt really can. <laughs> he really can. He can dunk. And stuff, and I'm like, oh. that's when I knew my cornea. I was like, I remember when I could jump. <laughs> but then he, he dresses cool. I always look at what he's wearing. I'm like, I'm going to get him next Sunday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better than him. And he always throws something in there where his tennis shoes match his shirt and all of that stuff. And I, where do you get magenta tennis shoes? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but he does. But do you remember five, six weeks ago when he rapped? And he opened up service with a rap. See, folks with hardened corneas, they don't understand because they've never seen a rap in church. But when you watch the altar and you see young men and women that are in the ages of like 14 to 20 coming to the altar because something connected in them in that rap. They said, I want to know that Jesus that dude was rapping about. See, that takes away all the struggle. And I realized I had some hardened corneas. Spiritually, because even though I thought I was contemporary, I watched a documentary this week and I don't think I'd have been in. This dude named Brian Welch, he was the lead guitar player for the rock group Corn. This dude is a meth addict. He's strung out on cocaine in 2004. Then he gets saved. You know how he got saved? Pastor in a coffee shop. Just started talking to him. Said, hey man, you look like you're searching for something. Ended up coming in one day with a Bible with his name on it. He had never read the Bible. Handed him the Bible. Didn't even preach to him. Didn't even tell him what to read. He said, man, I started reading through this thing and things started making sense. Then he said, then I got confronted and conflicted and convicted all at the same time. And he gets saved and quits the man. Millions of dollars sold out uh, arenas. Quits the man. Dude still looks like a rocker. Long dreads. And I used to like, I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever really wanted dreads, but now when you don't have any hair, you'll take any. I'll take dreads. 
Some of these pro football players got stuff like weaves and stuff. I'm going to go for that next. I'm, I'm, if I got enough to cornrow, I'm going to get, you're going to come in one Sunday and I'm going to have long hair. I'm going to look like Marshawn Lynch preaching. <laughs> Let's get back to this thing. I'm, I'm straying. I'm straying. Because when you have hard and corny as you can't see, and then the guy got saved and he was still a terrible father because he was a single dad. And instead of going out on the road with the rock band, he started going, the church put him right out on the road without teaching him how to be a good dad. He was a single dad and his daughter was forgotten. Now he's traveling, not for the rock group corn, but now he's traveling to share his testimony. And his life started coming undone. And he goes and he starts to learn how to be a, pa a, a father to his daughter. And his daughter's struggling with some of the same things he was going through. And now she's in rehab in a place called Awakenings. And he's struggling, doesn't know why God's letting him down. And he goes and now he's the front man for a Christian rock group. And he goes to a festival. And lo and behold, not every group there was Christian. And there was his buddies from Corn. And he reconciles. He said, forgive me for just abandoning you and leaving you because now you attribute God being a factor in leaving you where you were. And he starts to heal old relationships. Who knows? We may have Brian come one day and share his testimony. But he joined the group again. And I thought, now wait a minute. And he said, Christian people come up to him and said, all the dogs return into his vomit. That's hard. Sounds like a hardened cornea. Because, I, yeah, they still have some struggles of lyrics and things like that. And it's an ungodly thing, an ungodly uh, position that sometimes he finds himself in in some of those concerts. But they let him preach afterwards. And I watch this guy play the guitar for corn and then preach the gospel afterwards. And I watch hundreds of people come to the knowledge of Christ. And I thought to myself, There's, that's a one place that I never know of a, per, of a pastor going to preach the gospel. But God sent him. And I would have never sent, sent, seen it because my corneas were hard. So sometimes don't... Sometimes when God starts to change, you say, well, pastor, how many of you have been led by the Holy Spirit? Say amen. Yeah, how many of you have ever experienced cloud by day, fire by night, or manna? Anybody ever eat manna? Oh, God must be doing it different now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the book of Joshua said the manna stopped after they got there. The second reason, let me hurry here. The second reason I can't see is because when... I was younger, I was going through the woods and I was carrying something. And as I was, I was carrying something, there was a, a limb. I had a big jacket on and a limb caught my jacket and I didn't realize it and it bent it all the way over. And when I snatched around, the limb come through, it hit me right in the eye. And it caused a lot of damage to my eye. And it, we've tried to correct it through surgeries and most of those corrections are temporary. And so I've really struggled with my vision, especially in this eye, because this is the eye that the stick hit me in. And there was one sign. See, what happens is, is it's healed over now, but I still have a scar. And that scar, sometimes when I go to bed at night, my eye will dry out and I'll go into REM sleep when you dream and your eye will move like this. And what happens is, is my eyelid catches the edge of that scar tissue and tears it off. And in the midst of my sleep, my brain will tell my eye that I just got hit. I'm hundreds of miles away from what hurt me. 
And my brain will still tell me I just got hit in the eye with a stick. And before I can get up out of bed, my eye is swelled up. And it's running. And it usually takes about a day to correct itself. And I wondered to myself, how many of us can't see what God wants us to do in 2019 because we're still looking through the lens of a past injury? Something hurt us. Somebody disappointed us. We've got scars that we've accumulated along the way. And now everything that we see is, is filtered through that scar. When are they going to disappoint me? When are they going to hurt me? When are they going to do this? When, it, when, does it, when does the fake come to the surface and I find out they're really not authentic? Are they really my friend? And you live a life so frustrated and anxious about when's the shoe going to fall? When's the j- carpet going to get jerked out from under me? And, and some of us have legitimate reasons why we think that way. They're scars. But do you know that God can heal you of the scars and the pain of yesterday and give you a clear, fresh vision for today? Day. See, it happened to me one, day, one Sunday in, at Covenant Community, five minutes. They were actually singing the last song and I was supposed to preach and I felt my eyelid catch that scar. And I tried to run up to my office and get my drops, but it was too late. And my eye gets very light sensitive. So when this eye is hurt and I'm light sensitive, you say, well, you still had one good one. Just close this one. Well, what happens is that my light eye becomes so light sensitive that it starts to water and it makes this one water too. And so literally I couldn't see and my eyes were squinting shut. And I had to ask Pastor Gray to read the text and I had to pre- uh, preach that sermon completely blind. See, for us to have vision, sometimes we have to go back to the old wounds and let God heal those things. Now, Melanie, if you'll get ready to... Or, Amy, you're right there. Thank you. (laughs) Almost slipped up. Almost went blind for a moment. (laughs) Here's the thing about the text. We're going to meet blind Bartimaeus in the details next Sunday. But can you imagine Jesus walking out of a place? And I want you to understand the historical emphasis is that the exit of Jericho is where all the beggars were, not just Bartimaeus. All of them. And another gospel said there was two blind men. But Bartimaeus was the most famous because maybe he had been there the longest. You know his father because he was probably somebody. And more than likely, the evidence leads us to believe that Bartimaeus may have one time had sight. And so all of a sudden, here's this man that now has become blind, sitting by the wayside by the edge of the road where other beggars are and he hears a commotion because blind people have keen sense of hearing and he hears a commotion and he asks somebody, what is this that's happening? And we're going to learn more about this next week. He said, some, the person says, I don't know how many of you picked up when I read the text. They said, it's Jesus of Nazareth, but he never calls him that. He calls him Jesus, thou son of David invoking that I have a faith to believe. I've heard about you, man. And you're not just a regular person, but you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And I am, by faith, going to believe you are who you say you are. And if you are that, if you are the Son of God, I'm not letting you leave without you hearing me. So over all the other voices, the voice of faith, saying, I think I know who you are. Have mercy on me. And out of all the other voices, even the voices in the crowd that are closest to Jesus, Jesus hears a man, a beggar, poor, by the side of the road, screaming out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And finally he says, I hear that. The Bible says he stopped. 
I don't want to preach my message for next week. He stopped. Anytime Jesus stops, a good thing. And he says, call him over here. And this is the point I really want to make in the last five minutes of this message. Is this is the part that don't make sense. At least logical sense. Bonnie, why would you ask a blind man that is evidently blind? I mean, he didn't, he didn't walk up like he could barely see. I mean, he's like this. He can't see at all. Why would you ask him, what do you want me to do? It seems to be pretty evident. I'm the dude like this. What do you think I need? See, sometimes God wants to ask you, and this is the part that I, I need to prepare you for our vision in 2019, is if Jesus was sitting at your dinner table tonight and he asked you, what would you have me to do? What would you answer? See, because Jesus wanted to know, was this man going to respond as a beggar or a man of faith? Because a beggar would have said, I need you to give me money or food so I could live through today. But a man of faith doesn't ask for the money or the food. He says, wait a minute, I've got the attention of the one that can do everything. And so let me quit worrying about my, my situation in which I currently live because this is the guy that can make transformation happen in my tomorrows while I'm still in my todays. So give me my, he said this, he didn't say give me sight. He said, restore my sight. I'd like to have something I used to have. I used to be somebody. I, I used to have an opportunity that I don't presently have. I don't want to get through today. I want to prepare. I, want, I believe you're big enough to get me through my tomorrows. How about my sight? And the Bible says it's your faith that made you well. And immediately his sight returned. And he wasn't even obedient after that. Jesus said, go on your way. He said, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to preach this to death next week. See, sometimes you get Jesus in front of you and he asks you, what do you really want? And you think he's only going to be there for a second. How many of us have some hard, unflexible spiritual corneas that we need to get a broader view of what God's doing? I hope in 2019 he raps more. I do. Because you know what? I can't rap. But there's a generation coming behind me that needs to hear about Jesus that does. Oh, man. How many people in this room have not lived where God wants you to live. Not that you live unrighteously. You've just been living below the standard that God has for you because you're looking through life through the lens of pain. And God says, why don't we start 2019 healed of the pain so you can see something fresh and brand new all over again. What would you have me to do? Let's let Amy sing.